We are Squawking Dead, a podcast polarizing episodes beyond the Walking Dead universe. I'm your host, David Cameo, and I'm joined by Cosmom09 Rachel Burt and Sharon D, aka Blazing Garden, the original trio. We're here live talking about The Last of Us's fifth episode titled Endure and Survive. I don't Endure think I have it right. And survive. Endure and survive. For those who are privileged privileged enough for the power of hearing, we did ASL. I did it non-existently. Charity did it correctly, and probably Rachel did it perfectly. (laughs) That's what you do. I've I've been signing for a few years. Yeah, I hope so. Let's start to get first impressions, and I'll start with Charity this time. What was your feeling about this episode being sort of like a two-parter for last? Well, yeah, it definitely was because I know a lot of people thought last week's episode was the weakest of the four so at that point i think having paired it with this episode it makes a lot more sense i I cannot get over how much i like this show i love all the detail and the easter eggs and the little things they do i have no complaints this week none do you feel like in some ways it's a little simpler than some other shows or because your your cast is way smaller you know walking Mm -hmm. dead how many Mm -hmm. stories did we follow game of thrones how many stories do you Mm -hmm. follow you have so many people to spread it around and even when they bring in new characters they don't last very long <laughs> exactly which i can respect yes it's just, it's simpler because it's not as expansive as some of the other shows story-wise you get a chance to delve deeper into these characters and learn more about them and also focus on film craft too yeah and not feel pressured and you have to hurry up because you gotta fit these five other storylines into this one episode talk to you game of thrones because you did that a lot for the first <laughs> five seasons <laughs> makes pacing it much easier yeah for this man for us watching it, it allows them to sweat the small stuff i think too meaning like, instead of racing around and not sloppily because obviously you can do a lot with many different storylines and get the film craft just right but if you're the audience is really not going to notice the brilliance behind the filmmaking and the story and all that other stuff if the audience is also sim- simultaneously having to pay attention and remember different facts from different episodes from different storylines that and they didn't go to this storyline in this episode but they did the next three episodes and then you have to remember four episodes back that storyline which you already forgot and you have to like look <laughs> online to find out what happened or rely on the the previous lease. exactly thank mm-hmm. you yeah it keeps it pretty simple and it allows us to focus on a lot of the things like especially in this episode and you pair it with the long long time episode with Frank and Bill and it gives you this bigger bigger context and see here's the thing I know what happens in the games I think many of us do and I was wrestling with myself on whether I should reveal right Rachel's shaking her head for context <laughs> for the people who aren't listening to, <laughs> watching us live they heard me they heard me shaking my head right they felt a vibration a disappointment right. in the voice i was going to this is a spoiler free thing that i'm about to say but everything that happens has a purpose and does prepare us for things that are undoubtedly going to happen and i like where it's going there are three different groups here that face the possibility of is it worth sacrificing everything just for one person or just for one thing and it's rough kathleen blames Henry for that. You know, you threw away everything for Sam, but she's doing the exact same thing. She's risking everything and as we see, losing everything because she she's focusing on this one thing, this one person. And is it this worth losing? Obsession. Is it worth losing everything for this one person? I mean, ask yourself that, Kathleen. And every one of them does it. Every single one of them does it. But I, what I liked about this episode is that for all the criticisms people gave Melanie Linsky for her performance, this episode was an answer to that question and seeing her lean 
lean into it and say, oh, I'm self-aware. I know what I'm doing. I never said I wasn't the monster. I'm the ugly one, she says, about you know comparing herself to Michael against Michael. What is makes that even more poignant is Henry says the same thing to Joel. I know I'm the bad guy because I did bad guy things. Yes. I love and it's, how he, it's an exact exact reflection of each other. Right. It, and I love how like he used because I did bad guy things and like there's the superhero motif between he and Sam and like, oh yeah, you know, comic books, villain, bad guy, bad guy things. It's brilliant, isn't it though? Station eleven, which I watched recently. One of the recurring themes throughout the whole show that's in the book that it's that it's centered around Station Eleven is to the monsters, we are the monsters. And I think that was very evident in this too. To Sam and Henry, they're the monsters because they're trying to kill them. But to Kathleen and the others, Sam and Henry are the monsters for taking Michael away. Right. Giving Whom they Michael all up. loved, etc. Right. I, I love the irony of the fact that I wanted to go back to what you said about Kathleen, and I think it was how basically she never says she was a good guy. It makes it seem as though this whole revolution thing, even though she got it done in the end, the reason why she got it done is because Michael got killed. It's because Michael was informed on. Definitely. Michael got killed and that was the spark that she used to rally because it only happened 10 days ago. This is very, very recent. Crazy. Henry giving up Michael also had to be very recent because otherwise Henry would have gotten the hell out of there way sooner. But I feel like they killed Michael and then immediately she stepped in and took on the reins and was like, because they killed Michael, let's do this. Let's take them out. Let's round up all the collaborators. Yeah. But then again, when they took out Fedra, as we see in the beginning, they did the exact same things that Fedra did to them. Perhaps worse. There was no mercy. There was no let's try to work together. And I feel like had Michael lived, maybe they could have worked out a something between them. Like because he was a conciliator. Everybody would follow him and he was forgiving. And I feel like maybe they could have had a different outcome between them and Fedra. But because he was murdered, they automatically rose up and, and took out Fedra. Right. And that changed everything. If Henry hadn't given him up in the first place, then they wouldn't have had this whole their freedom. They, they wouldn't have had everybody looking for Henry, which ended up killing everybody in the end. Henry is what made it happen, basically. <laughs> what made, gave them their freedom, but at a tremendous cost, essentially. Yeah, the freedom to get turned into fungus because everybody in that town is dead now. <laughs> basically, yeah. Let me go some, to some comments before we continue because they're starting to scroll away from me. <laughs> Lois says, it was really good bit. They were really killing off people fast. Yes. For all the people who said, where are the clickers? Not enough clickers, but you got the clickers. It's like the Arby's. We have the meat. The fake <laughs> impossible meat that is on legs and pounds things. And anyway, rips heads off. Yeah. Ooh, can't wait to get to that. Walking Dead Eternal says the clicker who killed Kathleen looked like Chucky. Yeah. Yeah. She's a gymnast, too, a contortionist. That little girl, she's nine years old. She was a fan of the games oh. um, even before they made the show. Like her, she didn't play it, but like her, I think her dad did or something. And so she made a, a, a an audition tape and sent it in. And they made that role just for her. Hmm. That scene yeah. was so fucking creepy. Yeah. So her, I, let me look up her name real quick. Hold on. Okay. Why I, well, I say ready, that? But. It sounds like a lot of the clickers or the mocap actors who played clickers in the game uh, or games came back to do to be actual clickers in the show. Her name is Sky S K Y E Cowton. She's at Sky Cowton on uh, C O W T O N on Instagram. Gotcha. Yeah, and she's probably on TikTok. They're all on the t- on the TikTok. Yeah, but she's anyway. she's got some videos on there. I was watching like whoa, whoa. too many <laughs> to be comfortable admitting out loud. Okay. <laughs> I watched yeah. a nine year old anyway. Walking Dead to turn up. Oh yeah, so he says click uh, killed Clack Kathleen looked like Chucky and that the big one looked like the Hulk or Thing. I think more accurately from the Fantastic Four because the oh, orange stones um, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Lois says, but and I'll skip to her next comment. She says, so we meet Sam and Henry just like that. 
they're gone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly what we said at the top, which like, yeah, is sad. And it definitely is sad. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, a little bit more, but it does go to what we were saying in the beginning of the show, which was at least we're not tangling with several storylines at the same time, or like even just character development that we have to keep track of and stuff. It's kind of like, it's good for us, but bad for everybody else who's watching the shows. But let me go to Takira. She says, when that damn bloater came out, I was screaming so loud, lol. But I've been saying over and over that I screamed through the whole episode. You know, I would not want to be around while watching the show with you. So (laughs) very distracting. Uh, Takira also says, Lois, I wanted Sam and Herodias to survive this episode so bad, but the more stuff that happened, the more I realized neither would. Yeah, I also had it a, that sinking feeling deep in my the pit of my stomach. Rachel, do you feel the same way? Because you, you're like the queen of I predicted that. Are you okay? Yeah. You just yeah. silent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're just staring it into space just to describe oh. what was happening just now. There's a, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. I thought you were reading. I thought you were reading stuff. I yeah, was going no, to. Yeah, I, I wanted I... to take a break though. I'm, you know, I'm tired. No, my I've... tongue is like my tired. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay, Walking Dead Eternal <laughs> says those clickers came out of the ground literally like spiders. Agreed. Ugh. Agreed. Yeah. That also a response to the audience. It's like, you want clickers? You want clickers? Here are the clickers. <laughs> and then it's like, remember Here like the are. mummy when the mummy, the guy that plays the mummy, like he, he holds his hands out and he opens his mouth and the, all of a sudden the sand just comes yeah. up behind. That's what the clickers look like. It was like, okay. Billy Zane? Was that? Billy Zane? No, no, it's not Billy Zane actually. Not no, that one. not that one. <laughs> the one with Brendan oh. Fraser. <laughs> oh, that's. The first one with Brendan Fraser. Yeah, I don't that's remember Billy Zane, the... isn't it? No, that wasn't Billy. The actor wasn't no, Billy no, Zane. His name is Amu oh. Raz. Slow, something something like yeah. to that effect. Oh. Yeah. Arno okay. something. Arno. He's Arno. <laughs> He's Arno. Okay. Another Arno. Another Arno. Yeah. Do you want my first impressions? Hell yeah, I want your first impressions. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck this show. Okay. That's my first impressions. I love it. Fuck this show for making me feel things and care about people <laughs> and then taking them away. I mean, aren't, aren't you used to that though? Like that was, <laughs> we all met because of a show just like that. It took so yeah, many things that, away right? from us and people yeah, that well, don't exist took, away took, from us. It took seven years for somebody I actually cared about to be killed off. So no, I'm not totally used to it. <laughs> wow. It's feeling so, you mean Kathleen, right? Like she was so cool. Um, no, and- my beautiful bearded silver fox, <laughs> Harry. <laughs> Well, it just proves that he's your type, Rachel. I, we were wait, we were waiting for this moment. We have we have been waiting for this moment. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean, Rachel the, has a type. It's gonna Dead it guys. goes the way all your crushes go because it's like this I weird know. paradox because you can't like them right? unless they're dead. So that's your life is. That's swooning over dead people. That's it. So more than that, though, I was actually really upset. And maybe there's a reason. I don't know. But Perry died in a pretty awesome way. But it was like in the background. I would have really enjoyed seeing that up close. I'm I'm kind of just saying glad. that just seems like an awful, awful way to go. It would be instant, though. He was still yelling even as he pulled his head off. I was like, <laughs> yes. So the little <laughs> hole in his neck went. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible people. We like, are. No. No, no, but <laughs> I w- if, if, if you, I'm going to lose on. him, I want to see you it just up guaranteed close. that I will never watch that episode again now. I had a thing. I saw the beheading of that one guy in the Middle East, and it just brings back memories. 
Do you remember oh. those toys that were like, like it had a little bulb on the end and you could pop them into other toys and it made oh, like, uh, it was light like brights. Tall, no, not no? light brights. They're what? like, they're like big plastic toys and one end has a hole on it. They look like bulbs kind of, and one end has a hole and the other one has a little prong that sticks out. And like when you're a kid, you can stick them together and make chains Duplos? out of them. They're like oh, the toys, right? Oh, the little plastic right? chains. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. They're yeah. like little toys. Oh, yeah, so okay. when he popped his head off, head. that was what made me think of when he popped his head off was <laughs> popping that thing off. <laughs> <laughs> I love her imagination. And Sam and Henry. That was a kick in the guts too. Like you said, I felt it coming, but like how it all went down. Fuck. If I didn't feel what Henry was feeling, like he was like out of his mind, like totally outer body experience. Like what just happened? Yeah. And he really, he that. really sold it too. I mean, think about who, yeah. he, who his Kudos decisions on up. the acting. Yeah, right. Up until that mm-hmm. point, you're talking about a guy who sold out a man he actually loved, uh, Michael. It seemed mm-hmm. Kathleen's Admired, brother. Yeah, he says would follow him to the ends of the earth. Sort of is kind of what he says, but did it to save his brother. Similar to Joel and Tommy as well. Joel would probably go to the ends of the earth to save Tommy as well. well I mean, he is, isn't he? <laughs> Technically, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Endure and survive. Here he is facing that the fact that it was all for nothing too. Facing off against somebody who did the same. I feel like futility is the theme of this episode. It's a theme that's in a lot of shows like The Walking Dead, but they never we never really touch on it that much, but the futility of what they're of what he did and of what anybody does, like Carl is an example. Everything that Rick did to keep Carl alive and it was all a futile effort because Carl died anyway. Mm. And this I felt this way with Sam and Henry. Everything Henry did to save Sam and in the end it was all futile. It was all futile. He died anyway. It, but and you're supposed to do it. But and which kind of goes to Kathleen's comment. It was fate in the end, and it makes Kathleen weirdly right. And maybe that's what's so great about her character, is that she was basically telling everybody, this guy's not my seventh priority. Well, let's give him a month. Why not? No, she's telling everybody, (laughs) this is how it's going to go down. I will take every single one of you down with me in the pursuit. And Perry's like, yeah, I like Michael. Sure. Yeah, I loved him. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I heard you the first time. Let's uh, kill some kids. Sure. And they, but it's, it's more than just futility. It's like Macbeth, right? The idea of unbridled ambition. I'm not saying that that's what happened in Macbeth even. And it's not even ambition, of course. It's like obsession. I have to have this at all costs. Everybody be damned. And so it's fate. If you want it that badly, be careful what you wish for, because you might just get it. Like Kathleen got it from the acrobatic clicker girl, which is Um. so (laughs) rad. Too. Which and also is is poetic, yeah. right? Because she was like, "Fucking kids die," and here comes a dead kid all to take the her time. Out. Yes, <laughs> but she's not wrong either. Kids do right. die all the time, even in today's society. That's not an apocalypse. Kids die all the time. And continue that sentence. So, what makes them special? Well, they make them special to me. And that's right. the difference. Well, so, that's that's where you come into the needs of the few against the needs of the many, or the one. Let's read some more comments before more disappear. Takira says, "This is what they did to us throughout the entire season eleven of The Walking Dead." I'm still not over heart being killed so fast right from the uh, Riverbend community. Gone too soon. But I think that's weird because I was upset that the whole community got screwed in the end, but also relieved that we didn't have to follow their story on on like way retrospect because at the time I was livid. I wanted to see Hart. I actually I like the ca- What a badass character. Anyway, so let me let me continue reading. Uh, Takira says Oh my god, Rachel, I was so upset when he got killed. Harry, he was way too hot for that. <laughs> There's a whole conversation <laughs> I need to have on this, but yes. <laughs> 
Takira also says, I saw the video too, Dave. Yeah, see, yeah, well, we won't talk about that. I don't even want to talk about it in the event that you actually find it and watch it. You think it's not going to be as disturbing as it is. I and don't it's just even want to. What, what has been seen cannot be unseen. Unfortunately for me. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. Potato. Lois <laughs> says potato heads. It was like, it was more like a cabbage, like a cabbage patch head, right? <laughs> in this one. Lois says, but I really like that I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Did you, did any of you see that coming? When the earth started going and started swallowing up the truck, I was like, oh, it's happening. It's totally mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lois also says it keeps it interesting for me anyway. Yeah. And, and you know what? That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this for just a hot sec because we haven't really talked about the Walking Dead news at all, TWDU news, but the Daryl Dixon spinoff, there are many, many people that have been taking photos, not only of the Daryl Dixon spinoff in France, but also like Dead City. They've been doing that for the last several months. A lot of the Daryl Dixon onset photos from amateur photographers, it's one of those things where I get it. People are dying for Walking Dead crumbs. And it's like, I got to get me some of that Norman Reedus action on set, doing the thing that I love watching. I don't know about you gals, and maybe we can comment on this for a really hot sec. How do you feel when you see these these shots? Because for my part, I just don't want to see how the sausage is made until maybe after. And even then by somebody who knows what they're doing. I don't know how it's possible, but I haven't seen any of them. I haven't been active on Twitter at all. Um, and I haven't been very active on Facebook oh, or I Instagram. Don't. As far as those things go, I I don't really want to see him. I want to be surprised. No. I don't want to know what's coming. I happened to see something from Dead City a while back and I was like, I did not want to see that. Thank you very much for almost forcing me to see it because there was no spoiler warning, no cover, nothing. Just boom, here it is. And I'm like, I didn't I didn't want to see was that. It Maggie and Negan naked in bed. No, I'd be crowing about that one. <laughs> I'd be like, yes, I told you. <laughs> But you know what? Would you be be like, I wanted to be shocked when it actually happened because you didn't think it really would. You're just making fun of it. No, if if a picture like that came out, I would just assume it was a Photoshop. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, I'm on Twitter like maybe twice a month. So I it's easy for me to stay away from that stuff. I saw some pictures that AMC released today from Daryl Dixon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they're production somebody, yeah. stills. It's like, uh, it's that's what I'm talking about. Also, it's, yeah. it's not only is it really amateur bad photos by bad, probably bad people on set. Somewhere in the distance on Where set. Where the monsters? Monster! <laughs> but like, walk, <laughs> Tales of the Walking Dead. <laughs> But it's, it's the fact that they're just so bad. They're bad photos, too. You know, you're, you don't really have the clever framing of the shot. So you're like, oh, I wonder what's going on here. Right. It looks good. And you're like, oh, what's happening here? As intended, they frame it in a way that it looks like it's from the show. Like, oh, there's a scene that I'm watching here. Not like actually Norman Reedus running around with a wire on his back or Maggie and, and Negan, <laughs> or sorry, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Lauren Cohan. But if you are interested in watching things like that, I know there's a there's an account that I follow. He's a good dude. He's name is Chris. It's X-R-I-Z-Z-Z on Twitter and Instagram. So if you want to follow him, you can go there. He has all the goods on that. It's just like his, it's like his thing. Okay, so here it says his first instinct was to get rid of the monster. Then it clicked that the monster was his brother that he risked everything for. He truly lost it. I just felt so bad for all of them. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good way of putting it, Takira. I can't remember if it was the last episode or the episode before, but Joel told Ellie to make sure she kept her arm covered up because people would just shoot and not even think twice about it. And mm-hmm. Henry just proved that 
that point. He just shot his brother and didn't even think about it because he was infected. Wow. I didn't even think of it that way at all. Lois says, this show will throw you a curveball every episode so far. I really, really like that. And, and simply too. Let me ask you this though. Henry shot Sam after he had turned in the midst of attacking Ellie. I don't think he would have shot him the night before just because he was infected. I don't think he would have shot him until he actually turned. That's, I like how you, no, that's true. a good question. But Joel I, might have. Yeah. Joel, Joel probably definitely would have tried to. Which Absolutely. Is, which is why he yeah. shoots at Joel too. Right. When yeah. all this action is happening, it's like, I don't want anybody ha- to have to do this. It does go back to that comment about that uh, Lieutenant Kublik says to Huck back in the CRM in the Walking Dead World Beyond. It's like, if anybody's going to punish you, I'd rather oh, yeah. it be me than anybody else. <laughs> if your life, if your life's going to get ruined, let me be the one that ruins it. Right. And I think there's also like this weird quick thing. It's not even that quick. This moment feels like it lasts forever where he's going back and forth between dead Sam and Joel and dead Sam and Joel. But mm-hmm. even before that, there's like this moment where it's like, I don't want to have to resent you by you taking him down in a sense. Let me do it, but give me a second. <laughs> yeah. To pro because yeah. and it's yeah. that it's so realistic to see somebody having a, just a processing error after all of this, after everything we've been through. This is how it goes down. And so <laughs> it does kind of go back to what he says about Michael. You know, I was willing to follow this guy, willing to trust this guy, willing to go with this guy. He was that kind of person that you would you're willing to go along with him. He does the same thing with Joel. I'm willing to trust you. And I did when the sniper came out while they're on the street, that suburban street ish. And there's this moment where Henry grabs Sam and they book it. And then the sniper bullet fires in front of them, shoots somewhere in front of them. He goes, Nope, going back, going back to the car, shelter the car, <laughs> which like, okay, it, he has this moment where he's like, okay, it's every band for himself. And then he just goes right back to Joel. He could have kept going, probably could have gotten hurt, but he went instead. Yeah. He went back to, back to Joel instead and trusted it. And we then he trusts Ellie wow. to take Sam away by giving himself up and then you get to the end and it's like I'm not letting you this is this is me this is my burden <laughs> Takira says the truck started sinking and Richie goes remember where they said the clickers went and I just said <laughs> oh shit <laughs> and then they busted out one of the best scenes from yeah yeah and they busted out in a way that I even I didn't expect the level to which they said you want clickers here's clickers Lois says I stay away also from the spoilers she's saying Takira says for me because of the huge delay and fear starting I didn't want to see snippets of a show that's not coming out until the end of the year mm. like we have no walking dead at all so i don't want to be reminded i was about to say the same thing on social media actually i was gonna say something effective i'd rather not see anything at all but then i also don't want to project my thing on others that's why i give you the account of the person i think you should follow if you do want that sort of thing i don't begrudge anybody who wants this stuff my thing is like i care about you i care about all of you <laughs> is that what you really want though you want the show the show's not coming yes I want the show. You're just edging yourself and you're not going to get off anytime soon. So I had to put it that way, but it's true. It's true. You're just making yourself hurt. I'm like that too, because my brain starts going wild. If I see little snippets or images of something and then I, my brain won't turn off brain. and I'm like, what? yeah, I'm like, oh man. And I what start going through happening? all the theories and I'm what like, could be going yeah, on? I'd rather not because we're always my wrong. mind will go one direction. <laughs> yes. My mind will go one direction. And then we find out what the truth is. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I feel like I should say this also. Some people have already said that Melissa McBride's going to be in season two. I have not seen any confirmation of that, really. I think that's wishful thinking. That was like, that there was an implication from Angela Kang that says, oh, she will show up in the Walking Dead universe. And everybody kind of assumed it would be season two of the Daryl Dixon spinoff. How about we all stop making assumptions and just sit back and watch and wait? But I'm willing to hear anybody who actually has good evidence that it is the case 
case that she will show up in season two. I'd rather be I'd rather not know. Yeah, than disappointed. Oh, and and will spoil you way before you can be surprised. Yeah, exactly. This is true. That's <laughs> exactly. true. That's when I'll believe it. On top of that, even if it was the case that somebody says, "Oh yeah, she's yeah, she's we're already filming," anything can change, and she could be cut out of it too, and they'll have to refilm everything. It's happened. It's totally happened. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather not know. Oh, Madison's coming back. <laughs> yeah, after they told us she wasn't. Come on, guys. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, okay. To hear says real quick, I just wanted to say that people are complaining about how Daryl's story is starting over there. I kind of feel like, what else did you expect? Also, whatever. You're going to watch it anyway. Just enjoy it. Probably. I do hope they like tell us how we got over there, though. Ooh, so I, I hope like it's like the dam. Like we never know and find out in Fear the Walking Dead. <sighs> I'm kidding. <laughs> that would be so annoying. He finally took a bath. I mean, of course I would watch, but yeah, yeah. See, <laughs> he took a told bath. you. I mean, he not swam over there. France. He swam yeah. over there. That's how he took. And, and he's still dirty with all that salt water. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> it's where the oil slicks in the ocean came from. Oh, he cleaned oh. up the oceans with his body. Melanie Linsky. I was listening to another podcast that was reading an article. She said that when they approached her to play this part, they told her to imagine that she was Jesus's sister. And there's this man that everybody looks up to and everybody wants to follow. You know, you're cool. You're okay. Nothing wrong with you. But, you know, everybody loves him. It's like Life of Brian. And then he's gone. You know, what would you do? So I thought that was a very interesting um, way for them to present the story to, right. to the character to her and how she was going to play it. And I get it. She has to fill those shoes. I want to say how much I appreciate her acting, not just in the show, but like everything that she's done. I've, I've seen her in other things, and I think she's an absolutely amazing actress. And when that scene opens and she's standing in that room before she even says anything, I knew immediately that that was her childhood bedroom just by the way the look on her face the way she was acting the just her all-around presence i knew exactly where she was before she even told us i've listened to so many people talk about that she wasn't cast right and she was bad casting for the part and is that in comparison to the game is that what- no because no, the character doesn't exist no in the game right the oh. character doesn't exist oh. in the game i thought she did fantastic yeah she's playing it as someone who is unsure of herself and because that's that was the complaint uh, you know for a leader she's unsure of herself and she doesn't seem very i don't even agree with that strident and everything but the point is she because she wasn't the leader right. she was thrust into that leadership position after the murder of her brother maybe this changed their mind once they found that out i don't even agree with the fact that she was unsure of herself really i think she had she, to be super sure of herself yeah and i would agree i love when she's like uh you're informers inform <laughs> like, it's just the way she delivered that line was perfect yeah Last week's episode when she was with the doctor and he was like, I had a gun pointed in my face. And so she pulled her gun out. She's like, have I satisfied your requirements necessary for you to talk? (laughs) And I just, I loved her delivery. I thought she was perfect. It pairs well Mm -hmm. to what Joel says at the beginning of this episode to the boys when they, when they kind of sneak up on him. He he does the thing where it's like, everything's okay. (laughs) Like very like, oh yeah, sure. Everything's great. I don't like your tone. Your tone worries me. What tone should I have? That's just his tone. He's just has this okay? I, again, I love the humor, yeah. the humor they infuse in the show because you have a very tense, very scary situation and they still manage to make it very funny. It's somewhat like the Blair Gina episode in Tales of the Walking Dead where you're like, I'm not, should I, am I supposed to laugh? 
I'm not sure. I'm okay. No, this is good. I'm just not sure because I'm very nervous right now. And this is playing out like, and it's like, it's very, because it's silly. It's very silly, but it's very tense. I'm going to say arguably they did it much better than The Last of Us. I mean, not to compare, obviously try not to compare apples with oranges, but it's just that it came out of nowhere. Blair Gina was constantly silly. I That was my favorite episode of yeah. Tales because it was so funny and out there. Speaking of her childhood bedroom, there was one thing that I wanted to bring up and that was like you, I really liked the way her body language told that story, how she was kind of just taking a break from knowing that what she has to do is pretty ugly. And Michael definitely, she explains later, wouldn't want her to do this. And there was something about needing to center herself at home that kind of brought me back because I used to do this thing where I used to, my uncle still lives in the town where I grew up in. And have you done that where you've gone to your own ch- your own childhood home or kind of circled yes. the block where it was? And how yes. did that make you feel too? Because I, 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 I do want to link it to this episode, right? So you Nostalgic. cried. Yes. Yeah, I cried. Nostalgic. But at, this, at the same time, you cried also because you can't go back to. Like oh, I wanted to. Like you're back. I wanted, I wanted to. Yeah, same here. But it's like, even if you go back, it's somebody else's... <laughs> floors. It's somebody else's decor. It's not the way you exactly remember it. Well, Things my are different. childhood home is like around the corner from me. I could walk there right now and it would be nothing. And I knew the people that live there. So she mm. invited me in and like, let me walk around. And I'm like, the couch is in the wrong spot. Yeah. Yeah. No. So even if you know them, even if you're inside, it's, it's not, it's like, you can never go back. I like that little bit of struggle that you don't really see in Kathleen, but you know, it's as though she's either saying goodbye. Like I need need to go full evil and I need to say goodbye to that beautiful part of me that represents Michael in order to do what I have to do. She said she never had a beautiful part. She said it herself. She goes, he was beautiful, but I never was. She even admitted mm-hmm. it. I think he represents the beautiful part of her. That's what it is. And maybe it's that he kept her beautiful or made her see the beauty in things. That's why she wasn't part of the resistance. Not really, right? Did we get like an um, age difference between them? Was one older? Was one younger? Were they twins? Was anything like that mentioned? I don't think so. I do feel like Michael was the older of the two. He comforted her when she was scared in the room. He made up the stories. Okay. I I got the impression he was older, but I didn't know if it was said at any point. Henry at some point um, calls him like a man. But I I know the way he kind of describes Michael was like a man, the kind of man, or I don't know if he said old man or older man or something in the way he said it. I wish I'd written it down. Like it made it seem like he was, that he was like an older person. A lot of it too is Michael made her feel safe. And now that he's gone, she doesn't feel safe anymore. She's afraid. She wasn't afraid when he was there. And now she's afraid. Fear leads to anger. Makes you anger stupid. Makes leads you stupid. to hate. Oh. Hate leads stupid to suffering. So Star Wars, right? Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Yoda. Yoda and, was very uh, wise. And you know, TWDU, uh, anger makes you stupid. Mm-hmm. Stupid gets you killed. Her anger and her fear did lead to everybody suffering because now they're all fucking dead. <laughs> I'm not even sure if it's fear. I feel like she really committed. I feel like she went full Sith before she knew what going full Sith would mean. She had to be sure of herself. She had to let go of that beautiful part of herself because that ugly part of herself made them win the war, the revolution. Let's go to the comments like, hey, Rachel, what did the mermaid wear under her shirt? (laughs) No, you know what? There's keeps going, though. Thomas says... Anyway, Takira says she definitely wanted him no matter what, the same way Henry couldn't live without his brother. She couldn't live without hers, and neither could Henry mm-hmm. when he lost it, right? Mm-hmm. The person responsible technically really is dead. So who else is there to blame but Everybody's himself. dead now. Yeah. Except I am very curious where Kathleen's mother is. I don't think she was out there fighting, so... The whole town wasn't out there, but now that the right. zombies are on the loose, the Kansas City QZ is 
they're all dead. They're just going to come in and attack them. So she's dead too. I also want to make it pretty clear that I don't know what age they're purporting Kathleen to be compared to her brother at present day, but we have to also remember that there's a 20 year time jump. So if she's in her, let's just say she's in her even late 40s. This whole thing started when they were in their 20s or she was in her 20s at the very least. Still mm-hmm. pretty young. You know, you're kind of getting your footing. You don't really know what's going on. In peaceful times, you're a baby. You're, oh, I'm in college maybe or just out of college and don't really know what life is. And all of a sudden, just like Kathleen had to take over the revolution, you, know, you have to suddenly become an adult and you have to figure things out. So she doesn't know what she's doing, but she feels like she has to be sure. Takira says, uh, Blair Jean was definitely my favorite episode. And uh, Thomas says, why did the Scarecrow win an award? <laughs> Takira says, my childhood home was just sold last <laughs> It just sold like two years ago. And when I lived in town, my grandma lived there. Yeah, I went back to my childhood home a couple of years ago and they tore it down because it was on a two acre lot. So they tore it down and built two different houses on it. Uh, so my, that's child- sad. my childhood home is no longer there. It's not even. That's so sad. Progress, right? No, I almost don't know what's worse. If it's there and you want to go back or if it's not there and you can't. Like you literally physically can't. They're both pretty bad in their yeah. own ways. I mean, right now I, I, I've made an active decision to not go back anymore. I used to go every Thanksgiving. If I could afford it, I would just buy my childhood home. When I was a kid and we moved out of that house, that was like my focus. My goal was to <laughs> buy that house back. I didn't have that big of a dream, but I get you. I feel you so hard for years, six years, maybe more. I'm mourn. In response to all of Thomas's <laughs> jokes, which are, are good, are, I'll just say a few. T- time flies like an arrow. Fruit flies like a banana. To the guy who invented zero, thanks for nothing. Rachel says, you gotta no, wait, stop. Great, great. What kind of concert only costs one, 45 cents? A 50 no, cent concert. No. He had a crazy dream. <laughs> <laughs> Last night, I was swimming in an ocean of orange soda. Turns out it was just a fantasy. <laughs> Ladies, if you can't appreciate your fruit jokes, That's you need hilarious. to let that mango. Mango. You can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, felt irrelevant. Okay. Anyway, anyway. Irrelevant. Why did the chicken hide? Why did the chicken hide? Why did the Easter egg hide? Because he was a little chicken. (laughs) Oh, I hope these jokes don't come back on the show. This is how this is going to go down. Listen, I don't blame you. I would be doing the same exact thing as you, Tom. Honestly and legitimately, consistently. So I read an article about the making of the bloater suit. It was mostly practical effects, a little bit of CGI. Wow, that's really surprising. Actually. Was the CGI just for scale? They didn't really go into that part. The guy that they got to play him also was in Game of Thrones. I think he played one of the White Walkers. They took a cast of his body. They built the suit in sections, head, arms, legs. They made it out of foam. I forget the name of it, but they said it's almost like upholstery foam, like in a couch. It's probably a foam latex. Yeah, I think, it, I think that was foam latex. They were just describing how they wanted pendulous folds of fungus. It's all sculpted and the entire suit weighs like 88 pounds. Sounds about right. They zip the guy into it. They said it takes like an hour to get him in the suit. Then because they want it to like stand out in the first to look like fungus and they also want it to stand out in the firelight. So they coated it with like this jelly stuff. To make it iridescent? To make it really shiny. And they were like how much that added, how much weight that added on to the suit. Oh. They were like in between we'd have to stop filming to go slather more jelly and stuff on this guy. But it, it's really More interesting. Rachel, I think I think you would really enjoy reading about it because it, it was really interesting. Yeah, you're gonna have to send me that. It that cost article. a small fortune just to get that, that right. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I bet. I bet. Foam right. latex is very absorbent, so I'm sure. Like every time they had to slather on more jelly, it probably just soaked up and added another five pounds, yeah. ten pounds every time they had to do it. 
last week what we had said what would that look like a bloater in a mm-hmm. tv series that doesn't do the spores as a transmission mechanism well it's basically imagine if you he looked like groot got trapped on the fear the walking dead set and got <gasps> exploded with nuclear bombs he looks like a nuclear irradiated groot mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man yeah I, I, that's pretty, pretty accurate yeah it yeah. did but yeah. it looked it, it looked like a just a basically a suit of mycelial armor it's, it's enhanced his strength because i don't know if they're going to do this on the show but in reality what the cordyceps do in real life and this is something that they didn't think of when they were doing the video game the video game they make it seem as though it's in the brain but really the cordyceps attack the muscle fibers the scary part is the thing that we were saying about what if the guy was in there the infected that was in the basement that we're saying oh he nodded maybe or there was a connection (laughs) with ellie and the infected that was spooky well it could actually be that person was actually in there but he's just so hijacked that there's nothing at all that he could do about it including this bloater that tore perry's head off sorry rachel i think maybe sort of i don't know how this works this attraction of yours like i mean if if he doesn't die then you can't be attracted to him but if he does die which is sadder if i like a character it's just like signing his death warrant Mm, that's right that's right I'm still confused. That's fine. It doesn't have to make sense. It just is what it is. Well, let's keep going on the note of things that are in the video game that are not in the show, but are in the show. When they get to the, it's a fallout (laughs) shelter that was converted into like a living space. And then they see on the wall, this childhood drawing of Danny and Ish, which is in the video games. And I took a little minute out uh, because this is something that wasn't in the little set of notes. Because if you may have not noticed, Bridget's not here today. She's feeling ill. She has a fever now and it's sucky and I wish she was here. But what wasn't in her notes was the story of Danny and Ish. And actually, it's kind of interesting because it's it's like a foil for this episode. As it goes, I found this from Dexerto.com. That's D-E-X-E-R-T-O.com. And here are the cliff notes. Right when the outbreak happens, Ish heads out to sea. So he's, he has like a trawler. He heads out to sea. And this is originally, by the way, in Philly. So there's the channel near Trenton and all that stuff. So that makes sense. But eventually set up a safe house in a sewer in Pittsburgh. Kind of like sort of like what it looks like here. Even with the castles painted and everything. Exactly. exactly. They, they had the kids paint castles. On it, yeah. When he needed supplies, he headed out to nearby suburbs of Philly or Pittsburgh. No, it's Philly. It's, it's Philly. Pittsburgh. It's Pittsburgh. It's okay. Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always shouldn't confuse the two. Keep in your mind Pittsburgh because that's what this story comes from. He headed to the nearby suburbs to get supplies, to go back to the sewers. And when he went out one day, he met a family whose members are Susan, the mother, Kyle, and their children. Instead of shooting them, he traded with them. Ish eventually invited them to stay with him in the sewers. The relationship built the foundation of a new community, complete with a school, beds, and working showers. Danny arrived and befriended Ish. Danny's this new guy. They became friends. Basically, the whole community referred to them as their protectors, which is why you see Danny and Ish are our protectors. They assumed a real protectors, salvaged supplies, and wepo- uh, supplies, weapons, and ammo. They went out, they did the things, they came back, they provided for the community, they protect them. Someone left one of the doors to the safe house open. The infected horde flooded in. Danny and Ish were separated. Ish escapes with Susan and some of the other children, not her hers. Danny is presumed to be dead. By the way, these are all accumulated from notes that you find throughout mm-hmm. the room right. in the game. You kind of piece it all together. Kyle, the husband, was locked in a room with the remaining children, his and some of the others. The infected are clawing to get in. It's implied from the note that he shot the children, then shot himself to spare them from the infected. That's, that's sad. It's sad. But like this self-sacrifice instead of, in this episode, I'm doing it all because I wanna. And, or I'm doing it all to save one person. Ish and Susan settled in the suburbs where they lived out the remainder of their days with their adopted children that they saved. In his final words in these notes, Ish just doesn't give up hope because he's seen the good we're capable of. <laughs> it was like the exact opposite of this episode. 
-hmm. It goes on for Susan and their children. It's just kind of interesting to see where the show is sort of headed in terms of like, we're going to have to face some choices. And some of those choices objectively don't sound like the choices that we typically would make in a TV series. You could look at it from Kathleen's point of view and totally agree with her in some senses. If not for the fact that these are children, if not for the fact that many things like, oh, I have to take care of my people. But like, you would want to feel like that bitch has to die. But why do we, why do we side with, <laughs> why do we side with Sam and Henry? Why? It could have just easily gone the other way. Why do we even side with Joel? Joel doesn't give a shit, really. Because sort of. it's written to make us side with them. Mm-hmm. What, what do we always say about The Walking Dead and Negan? If we had been on Kathleen's side from the beginning, we'd probably be on Kathleen's side. It's all perspective. Yeah. You hear what you hear in the first episode and you know, oh, they're obviously the bad guys. At the beginning of this episode, when I watched it again, and I was looking at the collaborators and it's a similar scene to when we see Dr. Is it Edelman? Edelman, I think. I think. Yeah, Edelman. It's a similar scene to Edelman. Here we go again. We have guns to, to these people's head. And this is from earlier. So we know that she kills these people without doing it herself the first time around. Then with Edelman, she specifically shoots him herself, meaning I'm not pretending anymore. And part of me is actually with her in this episode as opposed to Edelman. It's almost as if they wanted to get her disgust factor out of the way the last episode in the present day so that when you go back to the revolution, it's like she, it was always going to go this way. You do kind of see her side that, that all these people contributed to the misery that they must have experienced. And Henry only further reinforces that when he's talking to Joel. Oh, is that that Casey Fedra, the one that raped and tortured people? Yeah, that Casey QZ. I tried to kind of see it from her point of view at some point. And then you get to the end and you're like, oh, this is ugly. This is not something I could get behind. Even until the end, she can't let go of her anger and her hate. And neither can Joel. They're reflections of each other. Yeah. She couldn't move on. Joel hasn't been able to move on. And then after losing Sam, Henry can't move on. He kills himself instead. They've all taken different routes to deal with it because Joel didn't take the revenge route. Kathleen took the revenge route. Joel took the just cut everybody off and be by myself route. And Henry killed himself. But Ellie's the one that goes on. Right. And has to go on. She admits in this episode, and I, I like that this was revealed. Her biggest fear is not, I'm not going to get those motherfuckers who tried to kill my family. It's not revenge or anything. She's just afraid to be alone. She's afraid to wander alone. She's also afraid that if she's the only one who has immunity, that everybody is eventually going to die and she's going to be completely alone. Oh man, that is a good point to bring up for those who actually know what happens in the games. Because Which I don't, so please don't say anything. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's fine. <laughs> I just, I wanted to say that to drop a pin in that. Because, you know, I, I haven't watched the games either, but I know things that happen and I feel like we're on an interesting, slow-moving collision course when it comes to some of these ideas that are going to be happening. Maybe. We don't know. Obviously, the people who play the games knew, kind of knew how the Henry Sam storyline was going to play out. And it did play out the same way. We didn't know. <laughs> what did you think when Ellie started smearing her blood all over I, the I actually <laughs> did know that they were going to die. I didn't know how. I didn't know the context. Oh. I had just heard, yes, they they die. So I, I didn't know that they were going to. So I didn't know if her blood magic was going to work or not, but I didn't think it would. I didn't I hoped think it would. it would. I know. I'm watching it and I went, oh, oh, Ellie, I don't think it works that way. Right. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, maybe? But <laughs> the most important thing was, even if it didn't work, she gave him the comfort. She gave him hope. A, a, a yeah. hope that yes, it this yeah. could work. What I was wondering, which I guess they kind of answered at the end was, so clickers are only by hearing. They use sonar, clicking, yeah. etc. So how would it affect him as someone who is deaf? Which apparently it didn't change his hearing, but he was also right. newly infected. Had he moved on, would he have been able to hear? Like, no. Do, uh, no. That's what, that's what I was saying. Like, I just, I was interested in what would happen. He'd be the most 
most helpless of clickers slash bloaters. It would just it would be terrible. You'd feel sorry for an infected thing person, sort of. Since they're like all connected or whatever, if he got into a group with other ones and they were like, food, he wouldn't hear it, but he might have that sense like, food this way. You know but what I mean? Can you imagine what Am that- Am I making would, sense? No, no. Yeah. But can you imagine what that would look like? He'd have the sense and then run right into a wall. Because eventually the <laughs> eyes, right? Because the eyes go out, right? And so mm-hmm. that's it. That's the last one. Do they all eventually turn into the to the face blobby things? I is think that over like time. the future for all of them? There's like seven different stages. I was reading, watching something about it earlier. Oh boy. The runners, the early infection, when they still Look are like vaguely all kind of running. human. Human-ish. Well, these are the ones that are still vaguely human. Their skin mm. is blotched and they're angry. uncoordinated. Very angry. <laughs> they're uncoordinated. Yeah. They run fast. Then there's clickers is a further iteration. That's like three or four steps down. I forget what the shamblers, I think. They're the ones that have the growths and shit that come out of their heads. Like the one in the basement. Yeah, like the one that got tests. Mm. Like the one that got tests. Oh, yeah. Mm. Like the one I'm making. Right. Mm. And then you have mm. the clickers and then you have the bloaters. But clickers are like after 10 years and bloaters are like after 20. Did anybody know Tess's backstory that they wrote for her? Uh, mm-hmm. On the show or in the game? On the show. On the show. I know nothing. Okay. No. So her, the backstory was she was married and had a son and then the outbreak, they tried to survive and her husband and her son turned and she killed her husband, but she couldn't bring herself to kill her son. So she locked him in the basement. And so he's been down in the basement for 20 years. So her son would be a bloater. They never brought it out in the show. but Oh, let me drop a pin on that, actually. Okay. I kind of imagine, given the fact that they bring the Danny and Ish story into this world, that you have to remember that what happened when that whole thing went down in this story was that somebody left the door open when Ish and Susan was her name and the other kids left they locked all of the infected in kind of like Madison and Diamond she locked them in so that they wouldn't get out mm-hmm. and I kind of like to imagine that when the truck came down that's Danny and Ish's infected and they were able to get out again and save sort of at least oh, Joel so we'll and see Ellie Susan again is that what you're saying no no they're dead too that's fine maybe but one probably. of the theories was definitely <laughs> she could have survived the little girl was one of the um infected that had gotten from the children there you go there you go the circle is complete yeah. yeah early on in the show i can't remember if it's episode one or two but ellie asked joel about the life cycles and he said most last a couple of months some 20 years some up to, to 20 years so most only last a couple of months they turn into the guy that was on the wall in the museum oh. in they, the like, um sewers or no it was were... in the museum it was in the when they went down in the museum oh, okay. and the, it was like it was episode one when they first went in the museum and the guy mm-hmm. was all up against or maybe episode two well no the one um, the episode one the one that was against the wall the first one you see, mm-hmm. technically, well, they, they stop. Yeah, they stop and they look at it really closely. I, I don't remember what episode it is, but that might that, be the first. I think one. that's what happens to most of them. And then you have the shambler stage where they grow the shit out of their mouths and all that. Mm. The clickers and the bloaters—they've been around a long time, but they are not the majority. I don't think. Oh, Thomas says, and this is something I don't even know that we brought up. Uh, he says Rip Tess, the character, but he also says the actress who played was it Tess in the video game? I forget her name. Yeah, she had passed on. She was she's only forty. Five, I think it was. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm not mistaken. The voice I, actress? The one that plays yeah. in the video game. Exactly. Oh, dang. Yeah, she she oh, played man. an actress in, in real life too. Things that you would know too. I, I'll bring it up in the blog. I, I just can't recall it now and I probably don't, don't want to go back to look. But yeah, and that happened a couple weeks ago too. I think it was. Yeah, unfortunately. I love that Sam got a little bit of being a kid before he died. Yeah, I did too. He got to play with Ellie and they were kicking the soccer ball around and playing with toys and reading comic books and laughing and joking. And Ellie, too, for that few minutes, they got to be kids and forget about what the fuck was happening. And I love that before he died. Ugh, I have such a mix of emotions. Too. And before the innocence 
Ellie die because yes, she saw Tess get killed and yes, she's seen other people get killed and yes, she's killed other people. But I think that was different for her with Sam. Sam was just a little kid, just like her. Close to home. Yeah. She got to know him and be his friend and they were going to travel together and now he's just gone. Ellie's still going to be Ellie, but I think that is, effect- is going to affect her way more than Tess did. It's even sadder to know that Tess kind of warmed up ish near the end, but it doesn't even matter if she did or she didn't. When you mark your development by those you lose along the way who protected you. Think of what Tess's driving force to get Joel and Ellie out of there fast was. She has the cure. It's worth the risk. Do the things, Joel. Save the world. Then you have Sam, which is like, just be a kid. Something Joel kept saying in the last two episodes. He's like, it shouldn't have to be this way for you. Does it get easier as an adult? No. But that's not the way it should be. And so you lose Sam, you lose that part of you, the ability to actually be a kid. And you kind of see her change at the end of this episode. Is this how it's going to be for me? Okay, so now what's the next one that marks Ellie's loss. Going back to Tess, her driving force was, well, I have to do it for Tess. I have to save the world for Tess. Sam, I have to be a kid for Sam. So what other thing is going to make her be down the line when we start meeting these other narratives and you you pick up the things that people wanted you to be along the way? So like, what other things is she going to take in the future to shape the larger arc? I think I'm trying to say something without not saying something, but like, it's very, very interesting to see where this is going. When we get into the question of weighing the needs of the many against, I mean, the needs of the few or the one. But Ellie is different, isn't she? Because she is actually more important than most people. Mm-hmm. Even though most people don't know that. Is the cost of protecting Ellie worse? And not even on a personal level, but just on the level of she may have the key to saving everybody. Right. But after seeing humanity, how much of humanity is worth saving either? Boy, that's a really, really good point. And you take the idea of revolutionaries and then you see what it actually looks like on the ground. It's like Joel says, people, right? People suck. Like even the people who claim they want the thing, the freedom. Yeah, they keep saying things like uh, freedom, freedom, and fuck Fedra, and 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 just all the things that people say when they want freedom, right? But what does freedom look like to them? Oh, let's just do the things they did to us, but like accelerated, maybe even worse. Say what you will about Fedra, but at least their trials were sham trials. <laughs> the appearance of what it might look like for freedom. This was just like banana republic. Not even banana republic. It was just all out <laughs> chaos. Remember, the, like. Uh, how they were saying collaborators give yourselves up and you'll get a mm-hmm. fair trial. And we knew later on that that wasn't going to be true. But what are they What are they dragging behind them to inspire people to, to come out? They were dragging a body with tons and tons of knives in the front of it, albeit slowly. They dragged the body out slowly in a tank. <laughs> but I wanted to actually touch on something specific, and that was what you'd said. Is it worth saving the one person if it means everybody else dies or going after that one thing if everybody else, it's at everybody else's expense? Kathleen almost answers that question in a weird way, that Michael was worth it. Where is the justice in that? Why should he be robbed of the chance of that justice, that beautiful person that should exist in this world? And I think that's very interesting for people who know what happens down the line. That's a very interesting question because what is life worth living if you're not protecting the things you love or if you're not protecting something that is beautiful? Otherwise, you're just sur- you're just surviving. You're just going on for the sake of going on. And sometimes the the beauty of a person is shine so bright that to snuff it out, the world loses something. Even if you quote unquote, like you said, Sharon, is the wor- is humanity worth saving? Even 
but people like her, like Ellie or Michael or Sam, like to snuff them out for something bigger, the world loses something tangible of value when you do that. It's something that like you don't really think about because you look at the trolley problem, the utilitarian philosophy of thought. The trolley problem obviously is designed to confront you with a philosophical question of whether you would kill the one guy on the tracks to save all the people in the tra- in the trolley, or you'd be willing to derail the trolley for the one person that's on the tracks. The obvious logical answer is the one person on the track has to die to save all these other people. What this series is teaching us is that, okay, now what if you knew the person on the tracks? What now? What if that was your daughter? What now? There's not one person that would derail that train in a heartbeat. It all comes back down to them or us. That's the same thing that was going on in The, in the Walking Dead. It was always them or us, that mentality. When you don't have a centralized unit unifier running through your society, the governmental agencies or fucking like, like fire, law and depart- order. fire departments, I mean, whatever, there's nothing <laughs> holding you all together. It just becomes us and them. I mean, nobody's even picking up the trash for goodness sake. <laughs> There's no system in place. Mm. No, but you're right. To kind of compare things, Rick is ready to sacrifice his own son's right arm or left arm it was to keep everybody else safe. And I think that was an interesting, it's an interesting comparison. Because right, there's a part of you, and I feel like I'm looking at Rachel with this one. (laughs) Isn't there a part of you that says, there's no way I'm even harming my kid for the rest of these fuckers. (laughs) That's it. I'm not that good a guy, right? She she shakes her head, pursing her lips saying no. Ah, but, but, but (laughs) if you're going to get hurt, I'm going to be the one to do it. Oh. Well, hurt is different than like killing. Dismembered. (laughs) Right. Say it was an arm. If I had to break my kid's arm to save a whole community of people, I'd have to think about it. (laughs) Okay, okay. And you know what? That's actually good enough, right? Because I know there's that inner part of you that's like, I'm the fucking hero of this story. <laughs> like, I'd really, I'd really I'm going to kill everybody it. to save everybody. Say you had to cut one of his fingers off to save everybody. It's pinky. Do I, do I get to it. pick the finger? It's yeah. pinky. Do I just the tip, the little, the knuckle right to the yeah. first yeah. knuckle, right? But you just have the first to do knuckle. It. Right. I'd, have, I'd have to real, I'd have to have a, a real long conversation with him beforehand. There's no, there's no time. <laughs> we'd have, we'll, ta- we'll talk about it later. We'd have to talk about it. No, talk about it later. We'd have to talk about it first. No, no. You already killed somebody by the time you talk. Now two people got killed. <laughs> Rachel, hurry up. Figure it out. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Silas, sorry. put your hand no pressure. out. No, I mean, anyway. sorry, not sorry. Do the things, Rachel. Do them now. If it's going to be done, would it be better for you to do it or for somebody else to do it? Right. And you know what? I, as horrifying as that is, that is that kind of Sophie's choice or whatever it, you want to call it. Yeah. Truth is, I'd rather be me. I mean, remember old Yeller? Barely. But yes. I refuse we all to watch know it. it. No, no, won't do it. I have the book. I didn't I never read, read it. Nope. I've seen the movie too, but I read the book. Yeah, I've seen Lois says the things you do for love. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I wanted to say something he said Thomas said before. He says, Why are you laughing at was it childhood trauma? No. <laughs> and it's because of your jokes. Yeah, Thomas. <laughs> Oh, okay. So speaking of childhood trauma, okay. So something that didn't dawn on me until watching this episode, because I didn't know the man's name, but Dr. Edelman, the guy Kathleen shoots in the first episode, we see him again in this episode because we do a flashback to 10 days ago or 11 days ago. And we find out that Dr. Edelman, most likely Jewish, shuttles to safety two individuals in the attic of a house. And I thought that was an interesting foil for like Anne Anne Frank. Frank. I didn't notice this Mm -hmm. the first time around, but I was like, interesting. Very, very interesting to see that. And of course, yeah, being grilled in almost the same manner, or not the same manner, but like the the idea of what happens to people who did this during the Holocaust. This, I think the story was in Holland, uh, I want to say. Was it? it was in Holland. It was the Netherlands. 
It was Amsterdam. I just listened to a podcast about what happened to Anne Frank after they were found at the annex, how they did in the concentration camps and stuff. It was very depressing. I didn't know that we knew what happened afterwards, but I guess time and records. Anne Frank and her mother and her sister and the mother of Peter was the young boy that she had a crush on, whatever that stayed there too. His mother also, they all got sent to the same concentration camp at first, even before Anne Frank's dad published her diary and she became a famous name. This woman had already published something about knowing Anne Frank's mother Mm. in the concentration camp. And from her, they got a lot of the information. Plus there were some records left. I mean, they don't have specifics. They don't even know the specific day that she died or anything like that, but they figured out through records and from other people's accounts what happened to her for the most part. How they found all the stuff out was really interesting, but it was also really, really fucking depressing. It follows that they too, the Nazis too, must have done away with collaborators without a trial or anything like that. Extraditious killing. It wasn't only Jewish people that were sitting in right. the country. That's against. what I'm saying, yes. Yeah. It, it was homosexuals, people with disabilities, communists. Gypsies. G- yep, gypsies. The Jewish population was, of course, the larger section Scape of it. Goat. But it wasn't all Jewish. Yeah. When you see it, you can't unsee it, is what I'm saying. Okay, so Thomas says, German sausage jokes are just the worst. W-U-R-S-T. <laughs> I'm not reading the next one. <laughs> That's I'm Jewish and I can't read that one, (laughs) but it's on the screen if you have YouTube. So there you go. Oh, let's talk about the Savage Starlight comic book. This is something Bridget had mentioned in the last episode because I don't think they wanted to take away from Bill's magazine too much in the truck. How she finds it. Oh, the pages are sticky. So funny. (laughs) But they were supposed to bring it up in the truck. Instead, they they decide to bring it out later in this, uh, I guess, this playroom sort of community fallout shelter with all the toys and stuff. So they find the comic book. Sam and Ellie bond over it. And uh, basically you get the title of this episode, which is Savage Starlight's uh, catchphrase. And the full catchphrase is to the edge of the universe and back Endure and survive being the title of this episode. So which is ironic. Sam did not. Exactly. It's kind of the irony of, is it worth sacrificing that beautiful thing? Like Perry. (laughs) It was a beautiful In order to survive. (laughs) Is it worth surviving if something beautiful is taken out from the world? Because it's like endure and survive. That's redundant, right? They're bang on. That was my favorite line out of Joel was when Henry said, it's kind of redundant and the, his reply was like, yeah, it's not that great. But the way he said it just made me laugh so hard. It's like I, I've said before, it's, it's not the really little that things great. the actors do. It's the little things the actors do that make their performances so great. And it's just the way he delivered that line right on top of what Henry when Henry said it. He just delivered, yeah, it's not that great. But it was so good. Kudos to you, Pedro Pascal. You know, on the, on the note of that, yeah. one thing that I thought of in the beginning was I tried to really put myself in Henry's headspace. Henry is a teenager. These two were both born after the fall, most likely. Henry seems to still be a teenager. Where are his parents? Oh, okay. So now he has to take care of Sam alone. How afraid do you have to be, or at least pretend to not be afraid all the time? And now everybody around you that ever existed around you, except for maybe Dr. Edelman, wants you dead. And probably Sam by association. How frightening is that? Think of parents today. Rachel, when you're first have your child. You're holding this fragile thing in your arms. If I let go for one second, this child is damaged for life at best. (laughs) 
But that feeling of like, this is a precious thing I'm holding. And then they grow up and that feeling, you know, you start to get a little that haven't fucked up yet, but but you, it's still yet. there. Now, Henry, children taking care of children. So I'll take it back to what you just said, Charity. Don't worry. And Edelman is looking at Henry. He's like saying, he's afraid because you look afraid. And Henry's trying, but he's not really succeeding. You get to the end and Sam asks Ellie, are you just like never afraid? <laughs> Essentially, he's like, you're just never scared. He's like, bitch, I'm scared all the time. And most of all of being alone. Because when she jokes and she says of scorpions, he kind of, he's upset. Am I the only one who's afraid? It makes you feel isolated and alone when you, when others around you aren't feeling the same way that you do. Am I the problem? What's the point of me being here if everybody's going to be so afraid for me and I'm terrified? But when she finally admits that I'm afraid to be alone, you see it on his face. He feels a little bit better. I'm not alone. Oh, she's terrified all the time. Why didn't they just tell, why didn't they tell me that? Okay, so we go back to Sharon's comment about Henry and, and Joel joking about the stupid line, endurance survive. What the fuck is that? It's the first time I th- I saw, and you see moments of like when Sam is playing, Henry actually allows himself to smile. He's like, I haven't heard that in so long. I haven't, this kid's finally like being a kid. I can actually relax as the child having an, be having to be an adult all the time. Doesn't know what he's doing, I'm sure. But then when he gets to the, to the line where he says, endurance survive, that's stupid. It's like, it's also the first time I saw Henry actually, and Joel by extension, acknowledging that Henry's like a man. It's like, oh, we're bonding over this dumb thing, this dumb adult thing. Two dads. <laughs> watching their kids. Yeah. Even though Ellie and Joel both denied it immediately. <laughs> He's not my dad. <laughs> <laughs> not my dad. Not at all. Cargo. Just cargo. <laughs> On that note, though, Joel still kind of doesn't want to react to Ellie having fun. Also, you still feel that little bit like, I don't want to have attachment. By the end of this episode, I also feel like Ellie herself, because Sam dies, is getting Joel's vibe. He's like, well, let's go. Where's West? Okay, hurry up, old man. Like that that kind of like, oh man, I don't want to have to get attached to this guy who's taking care of me because it's all just going to end up this way. I'm going to end up caring about him. He's going to die. He's obviously old. Oh, he's dead. He's dead. He's obviously God old. forbid we go up another <laughs> flight of stairs. Just, he's done. He's a done. He's a gonzo. I mean, I totally get it, Joel. <laughs> right? So, and Ellie does too. She's like, oh, man, if I have to go up another set of stairs and to, to wait for him to rest like an oldie. So she's feeling it too. The show is good, but I think the humor is what's really elevating it. Because if you presented the show without the elements of humor. You have The Walking Dead. It, no, I'm it, kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Even The Walking Dead had humor yeah, in part. It did, I mean, it, it really did. did. It did. Mm-hmm. You couldn't take all this heaviness. horrible heaviness without the humor in it. The same thing with Game of Thrones, by the way. On cue, by the way, Thomas says 45 minutes is greater than three hours. <laughs> it make me feel bad, Tom. It's an hour and 30 minutes in. Just, just so everybody knows in the audio podcast when I cut it down to an hour, basically. Well, just cut out all Tom's jokes in the audio podcast. We'll be, we'll be down to 45 minutes. Oh, mission accomplished. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, we'll release a separate episode with all of Tom's jokes and us react them. How about that, Tom? You like that? I won't, I won't do it, but I'll say I'll do it just because I'm so mean today. Tom and I should have a joke off one night. Oh, that would be like epic rap battles, <laughs> epic mm-hmm. pun battles. We have a joke, a I joke like battle. This. We should make it a charity. Should do it over too. Jackbox too. There's joke yeah, boat. Joke, exactly. Mm-hmm. We're just constant joke boat. <laughs> Thomas says the podcast doesn't start till I walk, walk in. <laughs> Metaphorically, if you walk in here right now, I will shit. How did you get in here? I know you're not that far away from me. A lot of this episode does lift shot for shot things from the game too like the sniper scene that was in the game where joel has to get in there and take him out and even that one scene felt very very video game-ish that whole scene did in the game Mm -hmm. though the guy is yelling insults and shit at you while he's (laughs) shooting at you yeah 
okay, I can see how cutting that out would have been like, okay, this is a little bit on the ridiculous. There's ridiculous and there's too ridiculous. I liked that they change it to be like, please don't just wait here. I don't want to have to kill an old man, which goes to show like what it took to beat Fedra. And also kind of how Joel has progressed because old Joel would have just shot the dude straight up, but he doesn't want to do it anymore. Plus, I don't think he knows that that dude is connected to the Kansas City QZ until the radio goes off. Till, yeah, till after I don't, cause I don't, I don't think he even knows. He thinks it's just some crazy dude locked up in a house shooting at him. You know, that, what's, what's interesting about that is when I first watched the episode, I actually thought that, oh, this is just some old coot that's just trying to kill people. That's what you, I thought. It's just you some get crazy up there and it is. Out. Yeah. Okay. But it's, he work, he's with the QZ. But I didn't want to say this at first, but I noticed that like, isn't this old guy almost like this weird, I don't know. He's kind of dressed like Joel in a way. I feel like he was looking at himself. Just do you, bro. You don't, why do you got to join these people? Why do you got to do these things? Do you know what Kathleen's doing right now? She's trying to kill these kids. Oh, you're trying to kill these kids too? Oh, don't do it, man. Just put the gun down. Live live the rest of your days. You got this far, man. You got this <laughs> far. Put it down. If, Just kiss. If, if Kathleen had found out that he didn't and let him go, then he'd be dead anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like what I was saying last week, right? Oh, do you really want to upset the man that beat the man? Really? <laughs> Getting extraditiously killed like all the collaborators and all the Fedra workers. On The Walking Dead, one of the things they, I think it was they brought up to Carol was you want to take out the head of the government but you don't have anything to replace it with talking about commonwealth you want to take out the head of the beast but you're not replacing it with anything well that was part of the problem what happened here in kansas city after they took out fedra instead of setting up a fucking working government they focused solely on revenge because of kathleen so instead of all those resources they could yes you have your debauchery the first night and you fucking kill all the fedra people whatever the next day it's down to business you've got to set up the government you've got to keep things running but they don't do that they took all their manpower and everything into finding collaborators and because of that their fucking city falls because nobody's prepared and nobody's ready and i'm talking about in the city too you know the people in the actual qz are not prepared for this horde that's going to run at them they haven't had to deal with a horde in in years and years and years right and they refuse to close the doors which i'm very nervous i was nervous about the entire two episodes like there's probably innocent people there too right i have to assume right let's go back to the holocaust even after the holocaust they had trials they went through all the inventory everything they, they could get their hands on to say here this is why you're being put to death here's the list so this way everybody can feel at least feel good about it but let's take that and put that aside i think up until like a certain point actually i felt bad for the people these revolutionaries not the people partying and stabbing and raping and humiliating and then killing people out in the street but there's got to be people out there that kids and old people like the old coot up, up in the mansion shooting at the two kids maybe i don't feel that bad but up until when perry says we loved him too and we're with you that's when i said "Ooh, check please i can't get behind that because part of you looks at perry and first of all he's gorgeous <laughs> but part of you looks at perry and you're like oh he's like sus he's looking sus at kathleen even kathleen picks up on it she's being sus but she helped us win this thing if not for her rage bruh she, <laughs> she helped us <laughs> win this thing but like okay i'll go along with it let's just keep going but then he says yeah we loved him too and 100 i'm ready to kill kids that's when i was like check please i'm out they see it as she helped them win it but if Michael's death was actually the catalyst of the ultimate revolution that led to the end of Fedra, then technically Henry yeah. was As the I was saying one earlier. That, yeah. Henry was the one that was responsible for them being free. But I guess if we're gonna go with that metaphor, like they he would still stand trial and he'd be the catalyst and here's the things that you did. But you don't give an award to the person who martyred the other person that made everybody revolt, right? You you don't do that. You just nobody gets <laughs> I'm just saying 
if Pontius Pilate didn't get an award for killing for Jesus, think, I mean, <laughs> and I keep getting that one wrong. <laughs> the Romans don't get a pass, right? Anyway, let's respond to Lois. Uh, are you going to be at the camp? Yeah, we're going to be at the camp in spades. Mm-hmm. So with that, everybody, thank you for joining us for this episode of our coverage of The Last of Us, the fifth episode of its inaugural season, which is nine episodes, by the way. I just double checked. What was originally going to happen was they were going to split the first episode into two and they fell on nine. They just combined the first two episodes. That's why in IMDb, it incorrectly says 10. Just wanted to get that out of the way. <laughs> I did clear it up in the blog and link to an article explaining everything. Oh, Lois farted. Okay. Oh, so let's keep going. Now, anyway, so listen, if you like what you heard... <laughs> from this episode in our discussion consider rating our podcast at ratethispodcast.com slash walking dead five stars and an eggplant is all we need to know that you love us but tell us what you liked tell us what you didn't like tell us what we missed but remember to tell us after every episode and if you like what we're doing in general and you want to be more involved in what we do the first big step that you can take is following us on either ko-fi.com slash squawking dead or patreon.com slash squawking dead you don't have to buy us a coffee to show your support you don't have to join a membership tier for as little as a dollar a month and join our discord all you got to do is follow us when you do you'll know when we record you'll know when we do anything cool you know when we drop any bonus content but more than anything else it's a little signal to us that you are interested in being more involved and liking what we do and you want to support us in the free and meager way of just following us so that you know when things pop up and any cool things that you get first dibs on but if you do decide to buy us a coffee you'll get 30 days of support about content and if you do join a membership tier for as little as a dollar a month you'll get discord access You'll get the unedited episode of recordings and a whole lot more. With that, everybody, I've been your host, David Camiona, who's joined by the very relaxed Cosmom Zero and I, Rachel Burt, <laughs> and the very yawny Sharon DAK Blazing Gardner. Right. Take care, everybody. Thank you for joining us I on see. this episode. I'm not the only one. <laughs> oh, no, I've been yawning, but like it's like it's like an internally yawn. I just yawn. keep covering my face. I've been Actually, trying to, like. My yawns turn out to be like Lois's fart. Just look very inside and just doesn't go anywhere until after. But anyway, <laughs> take care, everybody. We'll see you. Have a good night. We love you. Bye. And we can't wait for the next episode. <laughs> can't we might we see, know? We might I can't see, stand for anybody else to die. We might see Tommy. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, no. I hope he doesn't die in the next episode. Uh, he's Bye, a everybody. I'll see you later. <laughs> Radiated group. We appreciate you making it to the end of this very neatly packaged episode just over an hour. And as usual, this is our moment to thank those who support us on either Ko-fi or Patreon. That's ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead or patreon.com slash squawkingdead. And they are starting with the survivors tier, our highest tier. The defining perk being the ability to join us in our episode discussions. We've got at RealRyanGM on Twitter, at ElisaJones71 or at JonesAJ6 on Twitter. And FanArtLindy, who you can reach at ko fi.com slash fanartlindy on to our whispers tier who just like the survivors here receive 50% off in our merch store and the ability to join us on camera and mic during our jackbox games live streams we've got judith.morton on instagram aiden atkin who's at ko-fi.com slash aiden atkin at tyler philip cox on both instagram and twitter at sandy.d.morrison on facebook at j13 Voorhees on instagram and twitter at mrtny 
Yvette on Twitter, and of course, at Tashiyama on Twitter, or NewBaby420 on Instagram. I hope you didn't miss the last interview we released with Chris Twelman. And if you really, really like that interview, we have the entire three interviews that we recorded at That's My Viewing Party. It was a Walking Dead series finale viewing party in Covington, Georgia. You definitely don't want to miss the unedited interview recordings reel of all three, the funniest of which was that Chris Twelman interview. We basically had to cut 10 whole minutes out of a 23-minute interview. It was actually cancelable material. So check that out on both Kofi and Patreon. If you just tip us, you'll receive that and a whole bunch more for 30 days. And if you join a membership tier, you'll get recordings like this in perpetuity. We'll see you for the next episode breakdown of The Last of Us. And not only that, the last interview that we recorded at That's My Viewing Party with William Bell, background actor, former member of The Saviors, died a true hero of a hilltopper. And he has a lot to say about that. Until next time, remember, we are Squawking Dead. Squawking Dead.